In this episode, we get to hear from high school students. These students are members of the Springhouse community. Their names are Skylar, Reese, Amelia, and Sam. So we have four different students from a range of grades in this school community. And I'm so excited to just introduce and give you a sense of a few of their backgrounds. Just for reference, this episode was recorded in November 16th of 2021. So the oldest student or the highest grade student we have on this podcast today is Skylar. He is a senior as well as a student visionary at Springhouse. He works alongside the founding visionary to keep the vision of the school clear and help turn the vision into action. In connection with the school, he is also leading events and shows that invite people to take a deeper look at themselves, the world around them, and the ambiguity of life. Our youngest participant today is 13 years old. This is Reese Bowman, and she loves to read, write, and has also been known to crochet in her free time. She has two younger siblings, a sister and a brother, both of which go to the New River Valley Montessori. And she's been going to Springhouse in September 7th of 2021. She's the first year at Springhouse who's experienced both private and public schooling, whether it be online or in person, which really helps her to have a well-rounded perspective about schooling here in Virginia. So excited for you to hear from all of these folks today. Again, Skylar, Reese, Amelia, and Sam. Let's dive into this great conversation with students. I'm Lindsay Lyons, and I love helping school communities envision bold possibilities, take brave action to make those dreams a reality, and sustain an inclusive, anti-racist culture where all students thrive. I'm a former teacher leader turned instructional coach, educational consultant, and leadership scholar. If you're a leader in the education world, whether you're a principal, superintendent, instructional coach, or a classroom teacher excited about school-wide change like I was, you are a leader. And if you enjoy nerding out about the latest educational books and podcasts, if you're committed to a lifelong journey of learning and growth and being the best version of yourself, you're going to love the Time for Teachership podcast. Let's dive in. Skylar, Reese, Amelia, and Sam, welcome to the Time for Teachership podcast. I am so excited to have you all on today from Springhouse. We're going to start with just a little bit of intro on, you know, if one of you wants to speak about your school, um, and then if you each want to kind of introduce yourself, kind of where you are in terms of your learning journey, whatever feels relevant to share about yourself as a learner or even more broadly, right, as a, as a person. So I don't know who wants to jump in first, but but feel free. Um, I guess I can start here. Um, so my name's Skylar. My pronouns are he, him. Um, I uh, am a senior here at Springhouse. I've been here since seventh grade. Um, so I've basically had the full the full run. Um, and I'm also um, the student visionary uh, who works alongside the founding visionary, uh, whose name is Jenny Finn. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um. I'm Reese. I use she, her pronouns. This is my first year in Springhouse. Um, I'm in eighth grade. And yeah, this is my, um, it's a very new experience. And I'm really excited to be here because already I've learned a lot. Um, my name is Sam. I use he, him pronouns. I'm in the middle cohort here at Springhouse. And this is my first year. And my name is Mila. I'm happy with all pronouns. And I'm in 11th grade, and I work with uh, Hyper Pollock to help, like, design the funding model. 
This is so cool. And so you're already speaking to some roles that students don't typically have in, in schools that are more traditional settings or institutionalized settings. And so I am really excited to dig into that a bit further, but I'd love for someone to kind of give me a summary of like, what is it like at Springhouse in comparison to, I'm not sure if you all started in more traditional places, you know, prior, like in elementary school, prior to coming to Springhouse, but what makes Springhouse different or unique or, or what is it about Springhouse that you think people should know as they're listening who may not be familiar with, you know, different models of education? Well, I feel like at Springhouse, as I went to public school for 10 years before I came here. And I feel like at this place, I am much, I'm, I'm more than just like a number for my grade. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm much more than what my grades are. Um, yeah. Um, I know that I've switched between private and public and like independent schools a lot. And the difference definitely between uh, Springhouse, like Sam said, is that you're not just your grade, you're an actual human being and not just like a number who's learning and might take a different pace. While as in public school, it's a little harder. Mm-hmm. Beyond it just not being a number, I think it's, it actually goes a lot deeper than that. Um, it goes to a level of, you're not just a person, you're a member of this community. You are a friend, um, you know, you, you are um, a genuinely valuable member of this group. And, um, and it's not like it's like some like exclusive like membership club, but it's like we deeper than just, you know, um, you're not a number. You're like truly, truly, truly seen at a real level. Um, and you also are given the opportunity not just to be seen, but to see as well. So, um, it's a two way back. It's like, it's like, and it also is like, it, it's not even just two ways. It's all different ways of like, of feeding and, um, nourishing yourself and nourishing other people. And it's, it's a whole community and that goes beyond age and that goes beyond, um, you know, where you, where you live, it goes deeper than that. And that's why Springhouse um, as an organization isn't just a day school program for teenagers. It also has opportunities for adults. It also has opportunities for young children. Um, And so it's like deeper than just being a school. We're also a, uh, the the word that we've used in the past is the intergenerational learning community. That is so beautiful. I love that, an intergenerational learning community. And so as you're describing this, to me, it feels like, and, and I know, Skylar, you were saying you have hold the role of the student visionary, I think you said, right? And so that, I think, speaks to my first question around this idea of really thinking about what is possible for learning organizations and beyond the you know traditional way we tend kind of think about education. And so I love Dr. Bettina Love, uh, her book, uh, We Want to Do More Than Survive is one of my favorite educational books. And in it, she talks about this idea of freedom dreaming. And so really like dreaming about the possible in ways that advance freedom. And, and she talks specifically about them as dreams grounded in the critique of injustice, which I just think is a fabulous quote. And so as I say that, and, and you're kind of thinking about the dream that you hold for learning communities, either your own or learning communities more broadly, um, you know, what is that dream that you have for kind of what education could be? What do you wish school was like? And, and anyone can start. I know that for me, what I 
would dream of what uh, school would be like is um, it's very similar. It, pro it There's a lot of similarities in Spring House. It's just kind of being able to know that there's a lot of different intelligences rather than just mathematical or scientific intelligences, that mm -hmm. there's different ways that people learn and that they're not just their grades and how they're ranked in that um, specific academic um, intelligences. Because I know that there's a lot of people that are more creativity um have their intelligence more focused in creativity, like drawing or in theater or something that's not like um, the, I don't want to say like normal, I guess, or like the standard. I think that what I feel like school should be is that everyone is um, is able to learn at their own pace mm -hmm. and like uh, be able to be seen as a human and not just as this standard. Yeah, and I would, I would also add on top of that um, that uh, when we look at the world around us, I would say there's a lot of stuff that's going on. There's a lot of really challenging things going on in the world today. And um, I hold the opinion that the leverage point in society where we can really make change, where we can really move the world forward, is in the education system. Um, education is the leverage point, and education is where the, it's where our system starts. And so, um, if we can find a way, and I, well, actually, no, we have found a way, and we do orient around life, orient around what the, the principles of life. Um, we have, not to get super into it, but we have a thing that we, we share with other uh, organizations that are, uh, you, know, tr you know, wanting to learn from us. Um, we have several principles that we follow. And those principles are taking care of vulnerability, cultivating personhood, building beloved community, respecting the wisdom of the earth, and loving and serving others. So those are like some principles that we have. And what I would say, in my opinion, if we implement that into a wider school system, that can lead to our society and our culture in at least America as a whole, um, moving more towards principles like that or principles that are more life-giving than the ones that we currently have. Well, like, but yeah, like Skeppler was saying, like children and like young people are the future of the world. And if we can teach them to like love and be compassionate and like care about the earth, then we could we could see a much brighter future. Something that I see happen at Spring House, but I think is a part of education that needs to be there is like having it be accessible to lots of different people that could be like financially or like the way things are structured or like even we're kind of far out from like town and stuff so we're not exactly in the middle of nowhere but are we like half an hour from town uh so like we do a lot of carpooling when like i mean we are in a pandemic but before the pandemic we had a lot of carpooling but like transportation and stuff I love that. And I love that each of the things you're speaking to really speak to those larger principles that, that Skylar, that you mentioned as well, 
And, and this is, I agree that if we could just do that on a broader scale, right, for all schools to be able to tap into those, I think we would have a very different system than we have now. Um, so as we think about this, I think, especially thinking about a lot of the listeners who typically listen to this podcast are folks who are educators in some respect in mostly traditional schools. And so I'd be curious to know, and I think you spoke to this a little bit, but if there's like something that really helped you shift your mind from that traditional education system that I think many of you spoke to being in prior to being at Springhouse and coming over to Springhouse, like what was the thing that you had to kind of shift your thinking around? Or what would be the thing that you think listeners would be really, um, you know, they would benefit from shifting their thinking around in order to, to really live out that dream that you've been describing so far? I think that a really important part of Springhouse is that we like really value emotions and like take the time to listen and care about people. We have like mentorships so that like every learner has mentor, even the staff have mentors. So like you have someone to go to and like trust with things that are happening. And I think that if like emotions were like valued and respected, then it would be good. Springhouse, I feel like there there is such it's such a community. Like when when I came here, this it's not it's definitely not what I was expecting. Like <laughs> like I look and it's we're all very close to each other, I feel like especially with like like the staff and like student relationships with like men with like mentors and stuff like that it's like it's really helped me and yeah it's given me like a much broader sense of community and like having like a place to belong than any other school has ever done yeah um I think the mentorships really did help with like Mm -hmm. the transitioning between public school and uh here um you also kind of have to get in the mindset that like you don't have to be the best in like a specific thing because it's all about learning that's kind of what you've come to school to do and here you're able to just not be the best at something and be able to learn and grow from it and I think that's something that like I had to like think about for a little bit because it was kind of hard because I came from like um, a uh, like a school situation where if I was not the best then I would feel like I was the worst. So coming here and being able to just learn instead of just having to be the best is definitely something that was um, helpful as well. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I would love to add on top of everything. Like, I love everything that y'all just said. Um, and also, I think, like, one thing that um, I really think about when I think about... Um, how you can bring this at a smaller scale into a, you know, in, in your class, um, at a, in like a public school setting. Um, I think about trust. Um, I think about how the importance of learner agency and learner trust. Um, and that's a trust that goes both ways right now. We are all students here. There is no facilitator watching us. There is no, we are in these rooms alone because they trust us. And, and in turn, we trust them. And so there's this trust that needs to, that needs to be there. Um, and uh, something to invite the student to something bigger. 
something and I, I I say like a higher power, not like, you know, like like some some like religious thing. I mean a higher power is in the group, the community that you're in. That's a higher power that if you contribute to, you can make that higher power stronger. And so if that um, becomes clear, not just through words, but through actions and through the way that you structure everything, um, that will invite students into something that they would have never tried otherwise. Wow, these are wonderful ideas. And so I'm thinking about and I, I like, Sailor, that you were kind of starting to take us there, too. So this is a great segue. You know, what does this look like to be able to bring these mindset shifts and these dreams that we just described into, perhaps in small ways at first, into a more traditional, perhaps public school setting? And I'm curious to know, what are what are the actions? Like, what does it look like at the practical level for, uh, you know, a, a learning guide? Like, what would a learning guide do or, or an educator do? What would a learner experience like what what are the things that as educators are listening they can take action on you know tomorrow in their class or or in their their school communities or learning environments more broadly I think that maybe um one thing might just be able to kind of get in the headset or like think about how everyone learns differently so say if in public school there's a kid who likes to draw a lot maybe their math class, maybe somehow try to incorporate and like understand, try to help the kid understand what's going on and maybe have them do the assignment through something that they're good at, whether it's wrong, to help them understand. Just getting the headset that everybody kind of learns differently is what I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like this has been a defined, like I'm, the reason why I'm in the role that I'm in is because I'm a, I'm a big vision guy and I really struggle with the entire bringing it down thing. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say, um, and this is maybe not something that you can do like tomorrow. This is a little bit of a bigger thing, but like the complete removal of, of assessment helps big time. Um, we, we as a school have gone through a lot. I mean, in, in my six years of being at the school, there has been a shift in the way that we do assessments every year, which um, it went from like, you have to do a presentation to you have like grades to, um, you know, uh, we have like a special assessment thing. It's like a scale of like one to four. And now it's like none of them. Now it's just like, let's talk about it. Let's just talk about where, where, let's talk about what you're good at, what you maybe are not good at, and let's just have a conversation. And, and that's what we're doing right now, actually. We're currently in our quote, it's called the Reflection of Learning Week. Um, and so, uh, and everybody just has conversations about the skills that we practice in the courses. Um, in the sense of like, in, in a, in a uh, teacher, public school type of setting, I would say um, allow, like, like allow for failure, um, like create projects um, that are not something that like, create projects and allow the kids to fail in it. And I don't mean like set it up for failure, but set up like like create a project that is challenging and don't baby. Don't, don't say like, you should do this next and you should do this next. Maybe if they reach out to you and they're like, I need some support here. Maybe. Yeah, totally do that. But, um, 
you know, creating, creating again, the, 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 the learner, giving a learner a task and a vision to put together um, and move and, and use is really special. Excellent. Amelia or Sam, did you want to weigh in? I can't remember if you spoke on this question yet. <laughs> I can't remember if we did, but something that I can add is I think just like getting learner involvement where you can, it could be like really small or like huge, but just like actively trying to get learner voices in and like hear what they have to say about things. If you're going to make like a decision about your class or your school, ask the people in it. Absolutely. So well said. I think that's so critical. Yeah. I think that like here at Springhouse, we definitely have like, our like learner voices are definitely more heard and then like um, some other school settings that I've, that I've been to. And I feel like, and I feel like that breeds a more of a mutual respect for like students and teachers or I guess I shouldn't say like students and teachers, but like, yeah, like the learners and like teachers, yeah. Um, and I think that if other, if other schools would implement that more, like if they, yeah, if they a bit like hear us, like hear like the students more, I feel like that would be really beneficial. Yeah, and I'd love to hear, and any one of you can speak, either Sam, if you want to follow up on that, or I know Amelia, you spoke to that as well. Um, you know, that idea of student voice and learner voice, what does that actually look like for someone who is, you know, teaching in this typical traditional public school and they're thinking, you know, to what degree do I engage learners in conversation or when do I engage learners? Is this like a daily conversation? Is this like, as I'm starting to build a unit and we're like co-creating the unit together, is it something that you have an opportunity to do? Um, you know, when, when like Skylar, you spoke about, for example, the, the, assessment changes that have been made over time, you know, is that something that learners were involved in um, and at what part of the process or, you know, throughout the process? So I don't know if anyone wants to speak to any of those pieces, but I'd love to just get clear on, you know, how does that, how does that work? We have some like smaller and larger ways that we bring it in because uh, I mean, a fun thing about Springhouse is we're like constantly changing and reimagining how we're doing things. So like we had committees and now we don't have committees anymore. And now there's just like people who can get together committees when they see a need. And so having like, we call it the round table and it's like a group of partners, Skylar and I are both on it that kind of get to convey, it's not exactly like learners to the staff members, but sometimes it's like, learner stuff to like board members because they're not often as involved in like day to day. But, and then some smaller things we do is like, we do a lot of discussions, just like, even if it's just like an in-class discussion, then we can just discuss and see where it takes us. And we do like very regularly, just like check-ins at the beginning of class. They could be like fun check-ins, like, what type of animal are you today? Or they could be more serious check-ins, like how's the course going for you? Um, and also, because I think that we have this trust, if sometimes there is like something that's happening that's not being brought up, then at least I, and I think probably most of the student body feels comfortable going to staff members to like 
talk about things that are happening during the school just because we like understand that they'll hear us and so yeah yeah I, I, I uh I think that uh I, I think about restorative justice here um how like like you know kind of you know adding on to what you're saying Amelia um and yeah I I it's it's like and that ties like it really all ties down to trust is is kind of like what I've realized over the time is like is like I trust that I can make a mistake and it's not the end of the world you know and and that's and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to be a jerk sometimes and it's okay to to you know deal with like all of these like facets and deep things that like we experience as people um and i just really it's like and i guess um i guess just something that like is really like if you want something to happen now in your in your classroom um the i would say yeah again like just like just like absolutely truly trust your students and at first they might be like oh uh, they might like not know how to deal with that and eventually and relatively pretty quickly i think that, that trust will actually become a mutual thing and then your relationship really becomes that a relationship and not just like a you know big talking head in front of a bunch of people who don't care um and so yeah absolutely thank you so much for for just speaking to that to that clearly around you know how how does that look so I, I one of the things I'm just really curious about and this is a you know more of a fun question here but this idea of you know what your experience has been like and and all these positive things you've been talking about is there like one learning experience that you've had that's really influenced you or has been really memorable or, or helped you a lot. Um, something that you would want to share with people to kind of illustrate what life at Springhouse is like. Uh, something, something that comes up for me is um, a few years ago, like, yeah, so, uh, like a, it's been like four years now. <laughs> um, I, I, I was like, I was this kid who like, and not to get super, I'm not, not, not wanting to get, trying to do this without getting political here, but as a young um, as a young kid, I was very convinced by um, like conservative internet stuff, and I like got like very um, trapped in it, and like led to like homophobia for myself, and like all this, and like really messed up stuff that I was thinking at the time. And then Jenny, who's uh, the founding visionary here, uh, did a class called restore it, no it wasn't it was called um oh i forgot what it's called but it was it was about um white privilege and it was about um it was co-led by jenny who's a white woman and um shauna tucker who's a black woman and they and 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 we just had like all different types of people come in and we discussed privilege and it was a very, very moving experience for me and really pulled me into like, oh, wow. I, it taught me a lot about empathy and a lot about um, the mistakes that I had made. And um, 
the privilege that I had. And so um, in that sense, uh, that, that class was extraordinarily moving for me. And um, it was all, it was called Courageous Conversation. That was what it was called. And it was just conversations. We were all in a circle and just talking about race and privilege and all different aspects of, of, of that stuff. And um, yeah. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and sharing that story together. I really appreciate it. Uh, Reese, Amelia, or Sam, do you want to share one? Um, a couple times that stand out to me are the times that I've been invited to help do things that I wasn't like expecting to be asked to help with. Like, I think my second year at Springhouse, I was asked to help um, MC a fundraising event. And it was like, wow, I get to help lead this with like a community elder. And I was not expecting like being invited to leadership like that. And it was, it made me feel really like valued in the community. And then I've gotten to like MC a couple other events. Like I got to help uh, Chris Wolf, one of our staff members with our presentation that last year. And that was also really special just because getting invited into like leadership that I've always thought were like, oh, those are like adult roles and you can't do that because whatever the reason is, like, you're young and you're underprepared or whatnot, but actually doing it and it going well, it just builds so much confidence. And it was just so special those times. Amelia, thank you so much for sharing. Reese, did you have something you wanted to say? Um, yeah, I think um, one thing that's really popping out is actually when I was invited to like be on the podcast, um, I actually was, I didn't really, if I, we kind of did like a raise your hand thing and I was going to, but I didn't really think I'd be able to like do it anyway. So I kept my hand down and this one uh, person was like, Hey, I think we should do this. And I was like, and it was very, um, it made me really happy. It made me feel very um, seen. And I think that was really something uh, that's definitely going to stick with me for a long time. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm so grateful to that person who recommended you because you have been wonderful so far. Thank you. Sam, did you want to share a story? Well, just like we've been doing um, our reflections of learning for um on like the Monday and a bit of today. And just like hearing what a lot of my, hearing what my teachers had to really like say about me, like what they like noticed and picked up on and like my learning really made me feel like, it really made me feel heard. And like, oh, they, they noticed this about me or like something similar. And yeah, that's just like really moving to me that they, that they noticed and like, and even with like notice, like notice it like enough to be like, hey, you do this a lot. And I think that's really something you should reflect on. Yeah, thank you for speaking to that because I, I have seen that in my survey design research in terms of the questions that we ask students. And so, you know, not qualitative conversational responses where students are explaining, but just the survey answers, they select around a question like that. How often do you feel like your teachers notice you or notice that you're upset or notice that you did this? 
And it's, it's really, you know, nationwide anecdotally, just looking at the data I've seen is really low. Like it's such a basic thing, but it's really low typically for students. And I appreciate you speaking to that because I think it's such a basic thing that we can do, right? Is just pay attention to the folks around us. And that goes a really long way. So I, I really appreciate that. And I, and I love that you spoke to in reference to, you know, you're in reflection week and, and thinking about that. And so maybe we'll jump to that question of what is something that you have been learning about lately, whether that's, you know, the content in terms of the, the actual stuff you're learning uh, this week or this past unit that you've done, or, you know, however you want to segment time, um, or it could be kind of like on a, uh, you know, skill-based or self-reflective level of as you're reflecting on the things you've done, you know, what is it that you're learning about yourself or your, your skill sets or, something like that. So feel free to interpret that question in any way that you'd like. I'd love to hear from each of you. Well, I feel like I've learned that like, I'm a lot, like this sounds weird, but like I'm, I'm a lot better at school than I thought I was. And like, I've heard like for like these like years, I've just thought to myself like, oh yeah, I'm just like not smart, I guess. But now like coming to like springhouses, that kind of made me realize and like reflecting on all this stuff. Like, being able to like learn all the stuff, I was just like, oh, I can't learn. I just wasn't doing it. I really just wasn't really able to do it the way that was beneficial to me. And that I feel like that's like a big like part of like house. Like it's very individual. Like every every student's different, and they see that. Thanks, Sam. Anyone else want to share? Um, I think for me it was kind of like relearning how to learn. If that makes any sense. Because um, I remember when I was in public school, everything that I was taught, I can't remember like any of it. And um, now that I'm here, I'm kind of relearning how to learn and remember kind of like, what I'm learning. And it's a lot easier because, um, how do I put this? Um, I kind of, they put it, they teach it in a way that all learners can understand. And if a learner can't, you can go up and ask a question. Like you can actually ask a question and be able to like, be like, I don't know this, I need a little help. And I think that that's, yeah, it's really great. Thank you, Reese. Skylar or Amelia, anything you guys have been learning about lately? Um, yeah, so in our, in our main course, so we, 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 um, we usually learn, what's it called? Through, I forget the terminology. Phenomenon is that the word? Or th you <laughs> do you know Amelia? No. Um, we learn. We 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 usually learn by taking a big subject and then pulling different things out of it and studying um, things out of it. We've been we've been doing a course on culture, um, and we've been looking at how culture um like we, we we kind of like looked at culture through the lens of um the, the icarus myth i don't know if you know that one but it's the classic fly too high fly too low uh fly under the sun um and we were talking about like how does society like how does our culture at least in america um go too high or too low and where is that where is that um land and then we kind of like led to this place of thinking about this term called monoculture um, now is, you know, is usually used in like farming, but in this context, it's like a socio 
sociopolitical concept um, around a culture that focuses on one thing, one thing and smushes all the other, you know, little things that come up through the cracks, um, or at least tries to. Um, and so um, what that's led to is, you know, me, me and Jenny um, are currently working on um, projects with the mission in mind of disrupting the monoculture. Um, and, you know, kind of the conclusion that I personally came to in the course was um, that our monoculture orients around money and success and being better than the person next to you. Um, and, you know, in the course, we really asked the question, can we go deeper? Um, and so, uh, that's been a really, really moving course for me as well. Thanks, Tyler. That's awesome. I want to take that course. It's really cool. Amelia, did you want to share one? I would, I've been having a hard time choosing because like all of the courses I've done have been like really great. But I think the course that usually stands out to me when I've asked questions like this is last year, I was like mostly virtual for the whole year and not everyone was, and that was pretty challenging. But in the middle of the year, there was a course, I believe it was called Body in Isolation. And it was kind of an anatomy course because we were learning a lot about the brain and like the brain's reaction to things and like what all the different parts do. But then it also had various parts like movement and stuff. I'd never taken a course with Rock Fan before. And it was really helpful for me on Zoom because the Zoom week was just like, Zoom, you're sitting down for the whole time, but Roxanne would always be like, okay, we're standing up, we're moving around, we're doing some breathing exercises. And it was really nice to help like recenter him to the body and we're actually here learning about this. And then the learning was more valuable and engaging because of that. Um, and we also learned in that course, a lot of different things like brain's reaction to trauma and like, breathing things you can do to help you when like you're going into a fight or flight response. And like, it was a very engaging course for being on Zoom. There were a lot of slideshows and like discussions and things. And so it was a course that really lifted me up and let me get through the rest of the year. And it sounds really relevant to the, the time in the context of COVID, right? And just like, everything feels really practical. Like those breathing strategies, I'm sure the standing and moving and like the learning about trauma and like COVID being a collective trauma, right? Societally, it sounds really, really on the mark that someone was like, this is a course we need to teach now and in this way. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So as we wrap up the episode, I'm just curious to know, as we talked about so many things. So as folks are listening and they're kind of, uh, you know, closing out their commute or going for a run or however they're listening and just thinking, I want one tangible thing to kind of remember as I close the episode. So something that either one of us have said so far or uh, a call to action, like an action step they can take, anything that you think that we've talked about that you want to just highlight or emphasize as we close, that could be the takeaway item for someone who's ending the episode now. Any thoughts on what that might be? Um, if you, I, 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 I said this earlier, if you teach adolescents, you, you got to trust them. You got to trust them. The thing is, 
we are more capable than you might think. We are very capable of doing really awesome stuff. But often, how I look at it, in, in, in the public school things that I've experienced, um, it's felt like I haven't gotten the opportunity to really test myself, really push myself, really go to the edge of my capacity. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's one really tangible thing is just like, actually like do the practice in yourself to learn how to trust your students in a way that, um, uh, yeah, just, you know, learning to trust them and give them opportunities to test both yourself and your trust of them, you know, be like, you know, I want you to set up something and I depend on you and allow them to, um, figure it out because we can do some really cool stuff if we if we are given the opportunity and you're and i think that you're that part of your job as a facilitator is to give us the opportunity so yeah beautifully said what other things do people want to highlight i think that in connection with you scatter if you're a learner listening to this uh try to trust your facilitator because then you can make that connection. Great suggestion, Amelia. Thank you. Sam or Reese? I think that like listening to your students and like listening, like listening to your learners and the learners listening to the teachers, like is such a crucial part of like of a healthy school environment. And I think that like, yeah, so much like how Scatter was saying, how like capable adolescents are, like how capable we are, we could be so much more capable if we had the right resources to do it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think that like what everyone, especially Skylar was talking about is that definitely that mutual trust, trust um, and just being able to recognize and understand that everybody learns differently and that some, yeah, just like Sam said, just being able to um, challenge and, um, yeah, sorry, that didn't make much sense. It interpreted as you well. Mm -hmm. Not really, I don't know. I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think, and then the really really great point that I, I think all of these responses seem connected to that idea of relationality, right? And in building that relationality with students and, and fostering that sense of not everyone learns the same, right? And, and we need to listen to be able to figure out how students learn, right? And there's all these interconnections between what you all just highlighted. We need to build that trust to be able to have that relationship in the first place. So I think this is brilliant wisdom to be able to share at the close of the episode. And the very last question, I'm not sure if um, you, you all have a, a space online that folks could learn more about the school. Um, I know Jenny had spoken on a previous episode with, that I had with Jenny. Uh, she spoke about the school webpage. So I don't know if there are other things like class blogs or uh, project spaces that people can go to to see any of your work. Um, or if you, you know, if you're wanting to connect with folks individually, absolutely feel free to share that as well. But I, I'm just wondering what people can do to kind of follow up and learn more about you all and, and your work. Um, immediately off the top of my head here, um, the school 
me, me and Jenny and a few other people really worked a few years ago on designing education design principles, the ones that I told you. And um, they um, are a part of this thing that we call source design. Um, and we have uh, all types of opportunities for um, educators and business owners and nonprofit people <laughs> like to really study and look into it. And so we do have a webpage, um, the sourcedesign.org. Um, where you can really dig into like the real nitty gritty of, of uh, what we've been talking about here. Perfect. And I'll link to that in the show notes too. So for anyone who's driving while listening, you can <laughs> grab that there in the blog post when you're done driving. Um, thank you all so, so much. I just want to reiterate my gratitude for you all taking time out of your day to come together and talk about this and provide some really insightful commentary and suggestions for educators who are trying to do the great things that that you're speaking about today. So thank you all, Skylar, Reese, Amelia, Sam. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so Thanks for listening, amazing educators. If you loved this episode, you can share it on social media and tag me at Lindsay Beth Lyons or leave a review of the show so leaders like you will be more likely to find it. To continue the conversation, you can head over to our Time for Teachership Facebook group and join our community of educational visionaries. Until next time, leaders, continue to think big, act brave, and be your best self. Thank you.